Thank you, Lord. So if you would open up your Bibles to John, the Gospel of John, and we're going to go to chapter 21, and I'm going to talk about prophetic vision. I want to quote a verse in just a moment in uh, Proverbs, a familiar text that you're, you're, I'm sure you have memorized, praise God. Um, I'm going to read it in the message translation. Get ready to put that up. But before we do, turn to John 21. And I want to talk about three areas of prophetic vision uh, that, that need to be refined in our life. Okay? So this is going to be really simple. I'm not going to put three points on there, but we're going to talk about three different things related to prophetic vision in our lives. How many believe that we are to be a prophetic people? And that doesn't just mean that we prophesy over people and everything else. I love the prophetic gift. The Bible says don't prophesy, don't despise prophecy. And we should all be able to prophesy. Paul even says, I want you all to prophesy. Being prophetic, though, is the ability to perceive, hear, and capture the heart of the Father and express it into your life and the life of others around you. Did you hear what I just said? It's prophecy is not just saying, thus says the Lord. It's being able to capture, to experience the heart of God and to manifest it and express it, apply it to your own life, but then express it to the people around you. It's the ability to see with the eyes of heaven. And so I want to talk to you about prophetic revelation, um, but we're going to turn to John 21 and we're going to look at the story where Jesus restores Peter. And then we're going to be just quickly talking about in the life of Peter, how God did this in his life, that God restored and refined prophetic vision in three different areas of Peter's life. Okay. Are y'all ready? That was my sermon intro. It's 1112. My preacher clock starts now and I might have you out here by 1130. We'll see. Are the bills playing today? Nobody cares. Okay, let's move on. I'm just messing. Go bills. Go bills. Okay. I love you bills fans, but I hate your team. Okay. Let's put that scripture up. Proverbs 18. Most of you know this verse. This is the, the, the verse in uh, Proverbs about prophetic vision. This is in the message translation. You might know it as without prophetic vision or without vision, the people perish. Let's read it in the message. Isn't this powerful? Ready? Uh, It says, oh, I can't see the top over there. Okay. If my people can't see, let's just read it together. Ready? Read. If my people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I don't know why I inserted my right there in my mind, but I did. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Isn't that good? So can we just start by saying, Lord, I want to see what you're doing. I want to see what you've done. I want to see what you're doing now. And I want to see what you're going to do. I want eyes to see. And three areas of prophetic vision in your life um, need to be refined. And in my life, need to be refined. And we're going to dive into that. Amen? Amen. Before I go to number one, let's read John chapter 21. Now, remember last week we talked about Peter denying the Lord. And we read that. And we read at the end of John 13. But remember, the Bible is not written with uh, chapters and verses. 
And we read John 13 where Peter says, you're going to deny me. When you hear the cock crow, it's after the third time you deny me, you're going to hear it. And then the next thing that Jesus says is, don't be afraid and don't be troubled. Jesus wants to bring us into a reality, a place where we're seated with him and we know the heart of the Father for our own life that, that pulls us out of the, the muck and the mire of past mistakes. The first area of prophetic vision that needs to be refined in our lives is personal prophetic vision. Will you say it with me? Say personal prophetic vision. That's not just like a vision board about your goals and dreams and hopes, but it's how you see yourself in the mirror. When you look in the mirror, what do you see? I remember one time I was looking in the mirror and the Lord was asking me, what do I see? And I'm like, I don't know. I just see some guy getting old, you know? And and I began to think about the flaws and the imperfections and the past mistakes that I made. And, and the Lord was convicting me to the point where he said, every time you look in the mirror, I want you to see beloved son. What do you see when you look in the mirror? And I want to tell you, it starts with how you see God. Because how you see God is going to determine how you see yourself. And how you see yourself is going to determine how you see other people. We're always trying to see other people through the eyes of God, but we're still looking in a fractured mirror of our mistakes. Come on. Our troubles, yeah. our, our past difficulty, our past trials that we didn't overcome. We blew it. Hello? Yeah. And God wants to refine, refine prophetic vision in our personal lives so that we can see ourselves and move on into what God has for us by letting go of what we're not meant to carry. And that is vision looking in a fractured mirror. Amen. And and this is what Jesus is doing when he's restoring Peter. And it's interesting the first thing that he sees here and the first thing that he says. So they they had saw the resurrected Lord and Jesus commissions them. And he says, don't be afraid. He says, as the Father sent me, so I send you, and he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. This is important to remember. Then he says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain them, they are retained. In other words, in the Great Commission, there is the ability not only to not hold things against ourselves, but not hold things against other people. There's a connection to how you look at yourself in the mirror how you might criticize yourself and how that plays out in the way that we see other people and have vision for other people. And so you see it in the Great Commission and Jesus breathes on them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. I love the message translation of that portion. uh, This is what the message says. Jesus says, if you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you hold on to them, what good are they to you? How many times do we hold on to our own past sins and the sins of others? But being empowered by the Spirit, what's interesting that in the Greek, I wasn't planning on sharing this, but the word says he breathed upon them. In the Greek, in the Septuagint Old Testament, is the exact same phrase when God breathed into Adam and he became a living being. What we're seeing here, the the author, John, is trying to tell us something, that this is the recreation of humanity. What does that mean? That because what Jesus has done, not only has he recreated us, but he's also brought the whole world close again. 
And this is what Paul says. I want you to be able to see the way he sees because we've been given the ministry of reconciliation, that God did not hold the world's trespasses against them, but he reconciled the world to himself. God was in Christ reconciling the whole world to himself at the cross. And so Jesus, and then they have breakfast, fish and bread. Come on, somebody. It's a fish fry. And they're hanging out. You know, sometimes breaking bread is one of the best ways for walls to come down. Sometimes it's not at a conference, at an altar, or in the middle of a Sunday service, although I highly value Sunday gathering. Sometimes it's at a table. Transformation doesn't just happen at some pinnacle moment in a powerful service. Transformation can happen at a table where you see one another heart to heart, face to face, and defenses come down. Walls come down. So the Lord eats in his resurrected body, which is hope that we will eat in our resurrected bodies. I don't want to lay down eating in my resurrected body. Okay, whatever. All the foodies just wave at me right now. Come on, somebody. You're going to be able to enjoy food forever. Mind blown revelation, right? Glory to God. And since the whole world is and included in the salvation, those that receive the gift of salvation, that means every nation, tribe, and tongue. So if you like ethnic food, it's your choice, whatever food you want. Thai food in heaven? Can you imagine? Okay. You know what? I, I'm just going to say amen and dismiss you. This is how we're going to roll today? Okay. It's the last service of the year. Just... So they eat together, they break bread, and then look, let's look together. Jesus restores Peter, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, do you love me? Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to them, yes, Lord, you know that I have affection for you. When when Jesus asked Peter, he said, do you agape me? which is the word for unconditional love. When Peter responded, he said, I have affection for you. I have phileo for you. There's a different word in the Greek. Peter dared not deny the Lord again or boast of how I would, I would lay my life down for you, Lord. He learned already. But look what Jesus says. Do you love me more than these? I think Jesus was exposing something in the heart of Peter called comparison. You know, we think about like, oh, I got to love God. I got to love God. But you can't love God unless you let him love you. It's impossible. We love him because he first. And Jesus is restoring him. And here's what he says. He said, I love you. And then Jesus responds, feed my lambs, not sheep. It's a different word in the Greek. There's a prioritization of how we're to love the little ones. Jesus said, let the children come to me, for this is what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God looks like family. The kingdom of God looks like loving kids, valuing life. But Jesus is saying something else. I think he's reminding Peter that Jesus is the good shepherd. That Jesus is the one, that Peter is the lamb, really. Peter is the one that failed, that wandered, and... He's giving him a perspective of reality. This is what you're supposed to prioritize. Prioritize just letting me love you so that you can love. And the first area 
of prophetic vision that needs to be refined in our life is personal prophetic vision. Now think about the life of Peter before we move on. Think about how he failed. And then Acts chapter 2, come on somebody. How many know Acts chapter 2 verse 1? That the whole church was together in one accord and suddenly a sound from heaven came. Come on, if you're Pentecostal, you have it memorized. A mighty rushing wind and it filled the whole house which they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues of fire and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what happened? They began, it wasn't a trick question. They began to speak in tongues. You're supposed to just speak in tongues. No, I'm kidding. And, and then all of a sudden, the church, like, goes out. They were probably either in the upper room or they were on Solomon's porch. And they just began to, they were ecstatic of what the Lord was doing. And then the people in the area had understood that they were praising God in different languages. And then what happened after that? Peter, it says, stood up out of the eleven. This is one of the, like, the verses that we just read right by. We're talking about out of the 12, the one who denied the Lord was the one who stood up to preach the very first sermon where the church was born in a day. The one who denied the Lord did this? Listen, if God can use Peter and transform him, God can use me. If God can take the ordinary and our mistakes and our failures and transform them with a reorientation of prophetic vision for our own personal life where I look in the mirror and I don't see a failure. Come on. I see a son. I see, come on, when you look in the mirror, ladies, see a daughter of the Most High God. When you look in the mirror, you need to see yourself through the eyes of heaven that he loves you and he wants to use you. God will take the ordinary and put his spirit upon it to make it extraordinary so he gets all the glory because you can't do it on your own. Come on. The ordinary can't do it on its own. But when we allow God to breathe life into our, our prophetic, personal perspective of our own life, we see ourselves the way he sees us and we rise up out of the others and we do what God has called us to do. Out of the 11, it says Peter stood up and what happened? He preached a message, misquoted the Bible, 3,000 people get saved. Come on, somebody. 3,000 people in a day just because Peter allowed the love of Jesus to restore his life. What if we allowed God to restore our own failures and defeat and the things we're not meant to carry, the lies, the labels, the the things that have happened in the past and we stepped into tomorrow and said, I'm gonna do, I wanna be the one that stands up, come on. I wanna be the one that rises up in the midst of those that feel defeated. I wanna rise up and do what God's called me to do. I don't know how many times I felt in my own life that I I felt like quitting and throwing in the towel and giving up and the Lord's like, worship. I'm like, I don't wanna worship. He says, I know, but it'll transform how you feel right now. So I began to worship. And one of the songs I would sing is to worship you, I live. I live to worship you. I don't know how many times that song has got me through valleys when I learned that I was created to give back the breath he's given me in praise. And it changes my perspective of what is happening in the moment so I can move into what he's created me to do. So the personal prophetic, I'm, I'm breaking the microphone up here. It's like trying, it's flying off my head. Personal prophetic vision. In Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches, 3,000 people get saved. Addition. Say addition. 
And then in in Acts chapter 3, I love the story in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John are coming into the temple. They're good little Jewish boys still, but now empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so they pray. They pray at 9 o'clock. They pray at 12 o'clock. They pray at 3 o'clock. They pray at 6 o'clock. Can you imagine if we prayed like that? That would be awesome, right? Pray without ceasing. That's why I love the prayer language. Come on. I love the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the ability that even though I don't know what I'm praying, that, that the Spirit of God helps me in my weaknesses. And I pray and I declare mysteries in the Spirit. And I don't know how to pray for someone, but I can pray in the, in the Spirit. I can pray in the unknown tongue because I'm speaking mysteries in the Spirit. I'm building my heart and my, my, my inner man up. And at the same time, I'm praying. I could be interceding for missionaries across the globe. Thank God for the prayer language. But Peter goes into the temple and they see a man who's begging and he's been there for a long time, a long time. And he's like, can I have some money? And if I could paraphrase it, Peter's like, I'm not gonna give you a handout, I'm gonna give you a hand up. Come on, somebody. If the church would begin to win the loss and stop giving the world a handout, but give them a hand up, we would see radical transformation in society. In other words, not just social justice, not just feeding the poor and clothing the naked, but empowering people to see themselves as image bearers of God. And so they say, I don't have no money. And he probably had some money. But he said, I ain't going to give you no money. Come on, somebody. He said, but what I have, I give to you. You cannot give what you don't have. You cannot give what you don't own. You cannot give to him who has, more will be given. Jesus said, if you own and you're responsible for what you carry, you can give it away. Freely you have received, freely give. Peter has a revelation because he knows who he is and whose he is. As we move into the future, know who you are and whose you are. And in that reality, Peter says, what I have, I give to you. Grabs his hand, the man who'd been lame and sitting in the temple begging day and night, night and day, right? And he says, get up and rise and be healed in the name of Jesus. Strength goes into his bones and the Lord heals him. He's leaping, praising God. Everyone is tripping. All the Pharisees are like, what in the world? We've seen this guy here for years. What just happened? Guess who God used? The one who denied the Lord. And then... More people are added to the church. Acts chapter 4 says 5,000 people were added to the church. 3,000, then 5,000. Then in Acts chapter 6, by the way, Peter preaches again in Acts chapter 4. And then in chapter 5, it says the multitudes were added. So God took Peter, the messed up, uneducated fisherman who decided to forsake all and follow the Lord, And he used him to preach the first sermon where 3,000 people get saved in a day. Then 5,000 and then multitudes. See, God is taking us from addition, addition to multiplication. And multiplication happens when we allow him to refine our prophetic understanding of ourselves. Can you say amen? amen? I took way too much time on that point. It's literally the entire message. The other area that we need to refine in our life is our prophetic revelation of people. You know how many times I've allowed the enemy or allowed past pain or betrayal or abandonment to forge the lenses that I wear? In other words, I look at people through the pain that maybe they caused me or someone else caused me. 
If I look at you or you look at me through the lens of things that maybe I've done to hurt you, whether unintentional or intentional, or offend you and vice versa, or maybe even we look at one another through past pain and we wear these lenses, we will not be able to see the value that heaven has marked us with. It is impossible for me to see you through the eyes of heaven if I allow pain to put the glasses on that I'm wearing. May God give us eyes to see one another. You see it in Acts chapter 12 in the life of Peter. There's a man named Cornelius who was a Jew, uh, not a Jew. He was a Greek and he was a devout man. And the Lord revealed himself to this man. And it was a setup. It was a divine setup for Peter. Peter, it says, was on a rooftop. He was hungry. He was thinking about food. Come on, somebody. I'm not the only person in the Bible that (laughs) thinks about food. And he was resting. And then the Lord gives him a vision. And he sees animals creeping around. And the Lord says, rise, kill, and eat. And he's like, Lord, I'm a good Jewish boy. I'm paraphrasing. I can't eat that. God says, do not call what God has cleansed common. Or do not call common what God has cleansed. This was a setup to open up the door to the Gentile world to be included. This was God changing the eyes of Peter to see the rest of humanity as included in the plan of redemption. Talk about a divine reset. (laughs) Talk about racial barriers being torn down. Peter was delivered. He began to see the world through the eyes of heaven, through the eyes of Jesus. In Acts chapter 12, it was a radical reorientation. reorientation. Uh, I can't truly see the value of people if I allow people to get the best of me and not forgive them of pain they've caused me. I can't see fathers, mothers, through the lens that I should as a son if I think about how some leaders have rejected me or overlooked me. I felt invisible. I remember a time in my life where I was young in the, in the Lord and I grew up with a very loving, supportive father that always said, I'm proud of you. I was his best buddy, and I always tell my sons that, you're my best buddy. But in ministry, I didn't have that. I didn't have anyone to say, I see who you are. And a man came into my life by the name of Larry Titus. He saw who I was, and it was that love that healed, that acceptance of that one person in my life the Father used to heal the rejection of all those past leaders. And I saw things differently. I learned to become a son. You see, the love of the Father shaped my identity as a son. And may we have an adjustment with the lenses. Maybe we're wearing lenses that have been made from pain and rejection and abandonment as we move into the new year and the future that God has. Take them off so you can see the world and others the way he created you too. Can you say amen?
You know, um, we went to Disney World this last week. <sighs> That's a sigh of relief that we're home. Not a sigh of, oh, glory. It was so amazing. No, I loved it. It was wonderful. It was our Christmas gift to our kids. My kids were so happy. I was miserable. And it was just great. Um, I love you, sweetie. You know I'm just messing around, right? I hated it. Okay. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So there's lots of fun rides there, right? And there's some rides that you get on, and it's, whole, it's a whole experience where you see things, and that, you know. And there's some rides that can make you, like, sick, right? Roller coasters or, or rides like the 3D rides. And, uh, and we all had that experience. And I won't tell you the whole deep story about all of that, but I will say that I was thinking about this this morning. There, there was a couple rides that we got on that if you... And, and this is what happened. If you don't wear the glasses, the 3D glasses, the experience is not good at all. Matter of fact, all the images on the wall are blurry if you don't wear the right glasses. And some of us were a little sick from previous rides because of imperfection in our own body, right? The motion sickness that we couldn't put on the 3D glasses and it ruined our experience. And that's what I'm talking about right now is we've had some bad experiences, but we still need to put on the lenses God has given us to see a greater dimension that will change our experience for what God has for us. Are there vivid things we're missing out on because we're wearing these glasses, these bifocals of past pain and hurt and rejection? Toss them out. And learn to see not just yourself in the image of God as a beloved son and daughter, but now see other people as beloved sons and daughters. Something happens when we do. It happened in the life of Peter. And you can see it in John 21, the second thing Jesus says. This is powerful. He says, do you love me more than these? Yes, you know that I love you. Jesus says, tend my sheep. First he says, feed my lambs. Be loved, Peter. Remember, it's about the little ones. Remember, just become childlike. Don't complicate things. Just let me love you. Secondly, he says, when you do that, feed my sheep. You're going to be like a shepherd. You're going to love people. You're going to see them the way that you watched me weep over Jerusalem, the way that you watched me move with compassion. And in Matthew 9, you remember the story where he's healing the sick and Jesus is doing all this and he was moved with compassion because he saw them as a sheep without a shepherd. He says, feed my sheep. Lastly, prophetic vision for prophetic promises. The promise of tomorrow. The last thing that Jesus tells Peter in John 21, I'm going to wrap this up. He says it one last time, the third time. Simon, do you love me? Peter was grieved at this point. He said, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. It's interesting. The last time Jesus asked, he used the word that Peter had been using. He came on common ground with Peter to rescue him from his brokenness. So he's saying, do you agape me? Peter's like, I phileo you. I have affection for you. Jesus asks again, do you agape me? Jesus says, I phileo you. And the third time, Jesus says, do you 
Phileo, do you have affection for me? And here's what he says. It's so interesting. Feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you are old, say, when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said, follow me. Are there promises ahead of us that have been diminished because of disappointment, because of discouragement, that it hinders our ability to see what God is going to do? God is the one who performs the promise, if we receive it with patience and endurance, we take, we rest and we trust in the promises of God. Now, what's interesting is it wasn't just like, okay, now you're restored, Peter. It's like, don't forget, you're in this for the long haul and I got your back. Matter of fact, if you look in the book of Acts, there's a story where Peter's preaching, he's doing his thing and he was in prison. How many know the story? King Herod didn't like him and he was gonna kill him. And the church is praying for them. Love a praying church. Church is praying that Peter gets delivered. Peter's in prison. Then all of a sudden an angel shows up right before he's about to be killed. There had just been a couple other apostles beheaded. Then it was Peter's turn. So he was on his way out. And then the angel shows up and says, gird yourself and get up and follow me. What did Jesus just tell him? When you're old, another will dress you and, gird and carry you where you do not wish to go. He was not that old yet. <laughs> he was not done yet. Listen, God has some prophetic promises for you. And whether you're old or young is not the point. The point is sometimes we think, well, God's done with me. I have news for you. He's not done with you. The best is yet to come. The key word here is when you are old, another will carry you. You're not, you ain't old yet. I'm talking about in the spirit now. Come on. You're not old yet. God's not done with you. There's more tomorrow. The best is yet to come. The latter is greater than the former. May we have prophetic vision to see the promises of God. And you know what I'm talking about right now? I'm talking about the harvest that's going to take place in this building behind me. I'm talking about may God, may God remove from our hearts the wounds of disappointment that have caused vision of dis disillusion. Come on, that we have allowed things from the past to contaminate the way we see what God is about to do. The paradigm that we live in is about ready to be broken open so that we can see that the best is yet to come, that the latter is greater than the former. I love what God did. I thank God for faithfulness. I love what he's doing, but guess what? There's greater things ahead. And I, I have to anticipate those greater things because without prophetic revelation, the people perish. If we don't see, if you could put that scripture back up in Proverbs 18, if we don't see what God's doing, we will stumble. If we don't see what the Lord is doing, if people can't see, read it with me, ready, read. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. May God refine prophetic vision in my own personal life and the way I see people and the way I rest and trust in the promises he has yet to fulfill. 
Jesus restored Peter, the one who denied him. And the last thing Jesus tells him, he prophesies over his life. Because Jesus knew there'd be a time he thought he was going to die. Then an angel showed up and said, get up, dress up, follow me. That is the word of the Lord for us as we step into the new season. Rise up, gird yourself, and let's roll. Because God has promises he has yet to fulfill. Come on, are you all with me this morning? Can we stand up together and just close in prayer? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you. We want to see with heaven's eyes. If I allowed disappointment, if I allowed disappointment to imprison me from seeing what God has, I wouldn't be where I'm standing right now. I have to move on. I have to have prophetic vision. Even when things don't turn out the way I think, there's another story in the book of Acts where somebody has a vision, a man, and you know, all this stuff. And then it turns out they run into a woman and it's all different, but it was still God. Like our, our ability, we prophesy in part, like we might not get it perfect, but don't get discouraged if it doesn't turn out the way you thought it was gonna, because God's still gonna unfold destiny in the midst of all the imperfection. Hello? And that's where I'm at. Like, I'm like, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to move into tomorrow, but I, I want to see myself and I'm preaching to myself. There's times I look in the mirror to this day and I'm like, man, I made a mistake last year. I shouldn't have handled this situation that way. I should have done this differently. And I, you know what? I was harsh on my kids and I, and I begin to rehearse these things. And God's like, would you see yourself the way I see you? Make things right, but move ahead. And then there's times I don't see people with the lenses God's given me because I allow the lenses I have on to be forged by past pain. But I need to put on the one, the ones heaven gives me so I can see into another dimension of the spirit realm. Just like Disney World, that 3D experience. If you don't put them on, it's not a great experience. That's our Christian life sometimes. God's like, put on heaven's lenses so you can see. And there is a tomorrow, there is a future, a prophetic reality for us to see, hear me, this new sanctuary full. Well, well Pastor, I mean, you know, we only have one service right now, you know, and, and the room's pretty full, it's full right now. But how, how's God have perfect, what, did, what happened to Peter? He preaches, he rises up out of the 11, 3,000 people, 5,000 people, then multitudes. Addition, God's added, but he's about ready to multiply. But unless we have prophetic vision refined, we're gonna live in yesterday and we're gonna allow disappointment to cause disillusionment. See, if disappointment grips your heart to the point where you can't see what God is going to do, how dare we call ourselves a prophetic people if we can't see a hope of a great harvest of stuff we've been praying for for years, man. Prophesying till we're blue in the face about revival and harvest. Then God does this and we're like, oh yeah, like that's going to happen. Hello? In my own life. I'm not worried. I'm not fearful. We're, we're moving into the land. 
God's already brought about a huge breakthrough, but there are future, hear me, prophetic realities that God wants to give us as a people. To see, hear me, that building full of souls, a harvest of souls. Not so we can be a big church, but we could be a church that hosts the presence of God and makes disciples, come on, that reaches from the inner city to the outer nations. Come on, they're going to talk about a revival. I don't know if this mic's on the right way, but I don't care. They're going to talk about a revival all around the world, and it's going to be called the Rochester Revival. And if you actually would let go of what has happened in the past, whether good or bad, and pressed on to the future, that you can be a part of it. I can be a part of it. The Rochester Revival, the move of God that he will do in our midst if we would have eyes to see. In Revelation chapter 3, the Bible says it was the church that was lukewarm. The Lord says, anoint your eyes to see. Anoint your eyes to see. I want to see. I want to see, Lord. I want to see, Lord. I want to see. I want to see. I want to see the mirror that you've given me. I want to see other people with the lenses you've given me. I want to see the prophetic promises that are ahead of me. And I won't allow disappointment to cause disillusionment. Let me see. Would you put your hands over your eyes right now? Let's just pray right now as we move in. We, we, this is the last service this year in this room. And Lord, we thank you. We thank you, Lord, that you're pushing us into tomorrow. Lord, we receive and we hear your voice. And there is a rest that remains for the people of God. And we want to move into tomorrow. And so would you change the way we think, out with the old and in with the new. We thank you, Lord, that you're giving us a refined vision of ourselves, of one another, and of the tomorrow that you have for us. We say yes. Would you heal our eyes that we would see? Would you heal our eyes that we would see clearer in Jesus' mighty name? And everyone said amen, amen. Can we seal it with praise? Hallelujah. Hallelujah.